0: Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you could join us here on our live stream, and we're so glad uh, that you're here. And as we uh, continue through, the, as we jump into the sermon this morning, uh, I just wanted to encourage you to, as you have questions, uh, feel free to put those right in the comment field, or you can email those to us as well. And so tomorrow, Alan and I at noon, 12 o'clock, right here, Facebook, uh, Grace Hill page, uh, we're going to do a Q&A as we unpack a little bit more in detail uh, the sermon. So again, we're glad you're here, and we are excited to continue on in our Uh, week two of our Reconsider series where, man, in in light of everything going on in our world right now, uh, we believe that many people will be open to reconsidering uh, just questions about God and faith and humanity, right? These types of global crises uh, are going to just force people to hit pause and to say, man, what what do I really think? What do I really believe about X, Y, and Z? And so as a church, we just want to be faithful to speak into that through the Reconsider series. And so we're doing that through uh, tackling a series of questions from week to week. And again, these are questions that we think people will likely be wrestling through uh, during this pandemic. And so uh, just a quick recap. The question from last week that Alan asked was this. He said, Is religion just a crutch for weak? People. And so Alan showed us helpfully how countries with less tend to have more of a belief or a faith in God, whereas uh, countries that maybe that are more developed and wealthy tend not to. And, and as I was thinking about this, you know, on the surface, uh, this might make a little bit of sense, right? We, science, wealth, and technology can certainly seem to prop up a society to a certain degree. And yet in light of a crisis such as a global pandemic, that knows no boundaries and has the ability to affect both rich and poor, I think we see that this way of thinking is, is in fact an illusion. It's futile, right? As soon as the support structures, the job, the wealth, the comfort is ripped from us, suddenly we all become equals. And it betrays the fact that we all need help and that wealth and infrastructure and science aren't, those things necessarily are not uh, the answers, And so as we continue on in this series for this week, we want to focus now uh, on the nature of humanity. So what are we as as people? Because more and more, I think the thinking in the world, especially, again, the developed world, is that we are purely biological machines. And by sheer accident, right, we are now just kind of a complex collection of atoms and cells and molecules. And we're here, we have some measure of awareness, some measure of perception, but that's kind of just it, right? There might not be any true meaning to life. And so our question for this week that we want to consider is this. Are we just temporary material beings or have we been made for a higher purpose? Are we just temporary material beings or are we made for a higher purpose? purpose. And you know, it's, it's the naturalistic worldview, uh, the secular worldview that believes that we are just material beings, right? Composed again of accidental biological processes and that perhaps uh, one day our species might even just die off and that'll be it. Uh, so it's, it's this worldview that is prevalent and I would argue is gaining ground in our society. And it's a question that I would say that most people wrestle with as we live in an increasingly post-Christian society. And so we want to uh, address it as a church. And so this morning, as in an attempt uh, to look and to dive into this question, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three aspects of human nature. So really pressing into what makes us tick and how we think and just how we are the way we are, why we are like that. And then we want to look at how the Bible addresses and speaks to those three aspects of our nature. And so again, three aspects of human nature, what the Bible has to say about that, and then I think that as we do this, it will help bring some clarity to the question of are we just temporary material beings or are we in fact made for a higher purpose? So I want to pray for us. Uh, but before I do, I'd like to read a verse from God's word out of First Peter just to kind of prepare our hearts. So maybe even, maybe even right where you're at, maybe close your eyes and I want to read this and then we can pray. 1 Peter 2 9, it says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, talking about the church, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so, Father, I pray that that truth that we just read, that we, that we might be people who proclaim your goodness. Father, that that truth and that reality might just settle on us now as we dive into this more. And as we look at who we are as humans and who you have made us to be. This is an important subject. And so I pray that, we would, uh, that by your spirit's power, that we would just have, have clarity on it. So we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, C.S. Lewis, many of you probably know who he is, a famous Christian author and a great thinker of kind of the mid 20th century. And so in his, in his famous book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis in the beginning tells the story of someone who's walking uh, home just in the middle of the city that they live in. And as they're walking home, they look down an alley and they see somebody getting mugged in a back alley. And so Lewis tells us the story uh, really more to highlight our innate sense of right and wrong and how, and how we might respond in the situation. So he speaks to that specific point in the story, kind of a different discussion. But one of the things that we can infer from the story is that the person being attacked and mugged obviously has inherent rights and worth. And so that's why Lewis, as he makes the case, he basically argues that it would be good, it would be preferable to help this person because they have inherent worth. So obviously it's, it's a bad thing. It is an evil act that they would be mugged and taken advantage of in this way, right? This is an injustice that their inherent worth and dignity is being maligned in this moment. In fact, it's not just wrong. It's actually a gross perversion of what should be. And we all know it. And so this is what Lewis is appealing to, right? Human conscience. So the person getting mugged has an inherent right not to be abused or wronged. And if any one of us witnessed this, no matter what we decide to do, whether we would help or flee, uh, that would cause a visceral reaction in each one of us if we saw this. And so as we ask the question today, are we really just material beings? The first aspect of human nature that we're gonna look at is this. Number one, we see in humanity the need for human rights. We see in humanity the need for human rights. And so when I say human rights, here's kind of high level what we mean by that, right? We mean that, that modern slavery is something that should not exist. We mean that global hunger is not good and that every person should have access to good food and to clean water. Uh, we mean that education is something important that every human being should have access to. Basically, What we're saying is that every person has a right to live and to thrive and to flourish in this world. In 1948, in the wake of World War II, the nations of the world after this crazy war came together and agreed upon what was known as the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And they did this because of what they had all just experienced together with this war through the Holocaust. Right? They knew that, that this kind of thing that they just experienced was just too evil. It just couldn't happen again, right? Human life is too precious. And so they, they drew up these documents and this was what they came up with, right? And so they had witnessed firsthand what happens, I would argue, when we view humans as just material clumps of cells and as being expendable when they fail to meet up to a certain man-made standard, whatever that is. Tim Keller, famous pastor, says this. He says, if you believe that the universe just happened to be and that there is no God, but that, you some, but that somehow human rights still exist, you can't prove that. In fact, it takes a lot of faith to imagine humanistic values coming from an impersonal universe, right? Human rights are the reason that right now it is difficult to read in the news that Italian doctors are having to choose who lives and who dies, who gets a respirator and who doesn't. And this is a tragedy and we cry out right deep down because we know this is not how life, this is not how our world should be. Every human has inherent dignity and worth and we should not be in this situation. And so we've looked at the human nature a little bit, and so I wanna now look at what the Bible has to say regarding this subject. I wanna read this for us, and I think we'll have it on our screen. Psalm 139, verse 13, says this. For you, God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them, right? So we see the intentionality in how the Lord forms us, shapes us. I love how it says, he knows all of our days before there is yet one of them. And then I love the psalmist's reaction as well. He sees the incredible working of God in humanity. He sees how awesome it is. And so he says, wonderful are your works, right? So what I love about this is that his delight in creation, humans, uh, it doesn't end there, right? It crescendos in the form of praise to the creator. Genesis 1, Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so what the Bible makes clear to us is that we are all made in God's image and therefore we all have inherent dignity and worth, right? Every time you look into somebody's face, into their eyes, every time you hear a child laughing, every time somebody even maybe prepares a good meal for you, you are coming into direct contact with divine sanctity. And therefore it is incumbent upon us that we treat people as well as ourselves with infinite sanctity, respect, and honor. To malign another person in any way is, to a certain degree, to malign God. This is serious. And so what we see is that even though we live in a supposed uh, materialistic world where it's just material and evolution and survival of of the fittest are increasingly supreme ideals, man, we contradict this ideal every day by the regular implementation of human rights in our world. And so as far as the Bible is concerned, every person from the lowly beggar to the the president of a country bears the mark of our infinite creator. And so again, number one, we see in humanity the need for human rights because we are all made in God's image. The second aspect of human nature that we wanna look at uh, this morning is this. Number two, We see in humanity the desire to create and to cultivate. We see in humanity both the desire to create and to cultivate. Uh, One of the ways that I see this most clearly on a almost daily basis is with my son Levi, who's almost three years old. And man, it's just crazy how he just thrives and does so much better when he has uh, something to do, something that he can be working on to keep him busy, when he has really just a sense of, Purpose, right? So uh, a lot of times we'll be building some furniture like from Ikea or something And i'll be working on it and he'll come right in with his little green plastic hammer and he'll just start hitting on it And he loves it. He loves helping me Uh last weekend we were doing some vegetable planting on our deck And so julie and I we get the 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 seeds all potted and everything ready to go And then levi comes in and he dumps it all out and he's having fun helping and uh, you know That's just what he loves to do Uh, And then he even loves taking things out of the kitchen pantry. This is a regular thing he does with Julie, is he'll take all the food out of the pantry, organize it, and then put it all back in. And uh, man, it's just amazing to see him light up when he is given the opportunity to make something or to help out in some way. And then obviously the opposite of this is when he's just kind of being lazy and kind of laying around. Uh, He tends to be uh, whiny, upset, and discontent. And so when Levi has a purpose, he's tapping into that thing inside of him that I think longs to create and to cultivate, even if his version of creating looks a little bit more like, uh, like destruction at times. It's okay. Okay. And so, Grace So this is what we see in Genesis 1, right? Look back to what we just read. Genesis 1, let the humans have dominion over the fish, the birds, the livestock, all of creation, right? God tells Adam and Eve to go and to cultivate and to see to it that this garden spreads and covers over all of creation. Obviously, this is something that we see in our society. We see creating and cultivating everywhere, right? We see architects creating massive buildings. We see gardeners cultivating various uh, food and flowers for the sake of both enjoyment and consumption. We see software engineers creating computer programs to help make our lives more efficient. We see teachers cultivating minds through the sharing of knowledge. Uh, We see civic leaders creating infrastructure so that they can make society better. And then we even see parents at home, stay at home parents, cultivating the hearts of their children as they prepare them for life and for the future, right? So we see this creating and cultivating aspect deeply embedded in our nature. And at the same time, so closely so associated with our identity and our purpose. And so if, if we look at this in light of our question today, right, are we just temporary material beings? Uh, what's so profound is that we all feel this deep yearning and desire to create, to build and to advance. And yet we do this every day in light of the supposed fact, what society tells us that we're just material beings with no eternal meaning or purpose. We continue to do this, even though there's no purpose. Brian Cox is a famous... British physicist who used to do a show called Wonders of the Solar System. It's about space and planets and all that. I absolutely ate it up. Great show. Uh, And man, this guy would just speak and narrate with such passion and excitement. You should go check him out. Uh, Go look at his videos on YouTube. But what he's really good at is taking these lofty, complex scientific concepts and just making them clear and relatable and just explaining them in really cool relevant ways so he's this amazing physicist he's accomplished uh, so much he just loves his field of study he's passionate about it man it just oozes out of him when he's talking and yet I've heard him say on a radio show that he believes that everything ultimately amounts to nothing right? He, he, he conceded that, yes, you know, we might expend, experience this momentary uh, uh, blip of perceived significance kind of in our lives, but that it's ultimately meaningless. And when I first heard him say this, I was like, man, how can this be, right? This guy who just loves his field so much. He loves what he does. He's so passionate. What is going on, right? What is driving him then if he believes this, And I think what we see here is that even though his intellect is in one place, right, where he's kind of like this rational thinker, just material universe, there's something down deep within him, something more fundamental to his makeup as a human that is driving him to love his field and to be in awe of the universe around him. I want to read uh, Psalm 104 for us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and we'll also have it on the screen. But Psalm 104 says this, and we're gonna pick it up in verse 10. So the psalmist is writing about God and the works that he has done. He says this, verse 10, "'You make springs gush forth in the valleys. "'They flow between the hills. "'They give drink to every beast of the field. "'The wild donkeys quench their thirst.'" Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. I like that. Verse 14, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants uh, for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. Trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them, the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun to know it's time for setting. And you make darkness and it is night when all the the beasts of the forest creep about the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away. They lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. Oh Lord, and so now here's his response. Oh Lord, how manifold, how numerous are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here's the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable. "'Living things both small and great, "'and there go the ships and Leviathan "'which you formed to play in it. "'These all look to you to give them their food "'in due season. "'When you give it up to them, they gather it up. "'When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. "'When you hide your face, they are dismayed. "'When you take away their breath, they die "'and return to their dust. "'When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and, "'and you renew the face of the ground.'" So may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. Folks, we see that our God is an eternal God who creates who cultivates, who brings life from nothing. And because we are made in his image, point number one, we too can't help but create and cultivate an image or reflect him in this way. And so, not even the most intellectual, rational arguments in the names of meaningless secularism can stop us from doing this because it's too fundamental to who we are. So, right, and so, so the, the reason that Brian Cox can't stop being in awe of the universe and he can't stop accomplishing things, even though he believes that there's no true meaning, is because this is what he was made to do, right? He is an image bearer. So number two, we see in humanity the desire to create and to cultivate because we are made in the likeness of a creating and cultivating God, I was driving home last Sunday afternoon after the live stream uh, and man, it was just a beautiful day. We are now getting into like peak springtime up here in Virginia. And so sunny, nice temperatures felt great. You know, you see all the, the trees and the flowers and uh, we have like this line of cherry uh, blossoms kind of lining one of our roads where we drive to get to my house. And so I'm driving and it's just crazy because, you know, Right now, we're in the midst of this global pandemic and gosh, I've never experienced anything like this in my lifetime. Every time I turn on the news or talk to somebody, go to the grocery store, it just seems like chaos all over. But in the midst of this, I get this glimpse of beauty, right? And peace just on my drive home. And of course, uh, what does that make me do, right? What does it make me do? It makes me long for a place where I can experience this forever, I just wanna hold on to this moment. I just wanna stay here in this space. And obviously I don't have to go to great lengths to tell any of you that that none of us wanna have to deal with pandemics and wars and pain and suffering, right? We all want to live in a place that is free from evil and from suffering. And And we honestly, we go to great lengths to try and find that place. Uh, we spend time and money on vacations to try to get to that place. We spend time and money on media, movies, book, video games, and stories that that transport us to that idyllic place, right? We kind of use those as an escape from our broken world. We spend time on money, we spend time and money on causes, political ideologies, economic policies, hoping that they will finally usher in the world that we have always. Longed for, you know. We might even we might even do things that bring harm to ourselves. We might take drugs. We might go into debt, um, just so that we can escape the pain of the present world. And so, our third aspect of human nature that we want to look at today is this: number three, we see in humanity a deep longing for a world that is free of pain and suffering, which. Uh, when we think about it, is actually is actually kind of crazy. Uh, we've only ever known a world that is full of pain, sadness, death, and struggle. And so, if the only environment that we've ever been exposed to, that is around us, that's all we've ever seen, then why would we long for a different environment, and particularly one that none of us has ever experienced ever? Uh, Right? I was thinking about this. One example, um, man, a person who is colorblind their their entire life will have no perception of what color is. They've never experienced, right? They've never experienced it. So there's there's literally just no category in their brain for it. You could try describing color to a colorblind person, but it's going to be almost, it's going to be impossible using just your words. It's just not going to happen. But this is exactly what's going on. This is exactly where we find ourselves as people deeply desiring something, a perfect world that we have never actually experienced. Where does this come from? Another C.S. Lewis quote, I used him a lot in this sermon. He's just such a good resource for this topic. But he says this, one quote he says, he says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy then the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And just think about this for a second in your own life, right? What are the things that you instinctively run to, the places you go, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, your vacations, uh, the places and things you even gravitate towards when you're especially burdened by uh, the difficulties of living living in this world. Maybe you even just had a stressful day or just life is hard right now. We all have our things that we run to because we all want to get as close as we possibly can to those places that give us a glimpse of a better world, of a better life. We all do this. And just like us, the biblical authors who wrote the Bible felt and experienced this same tension. Look at Habakkuk chapter one. Habakkuk is basically witnessing his world crumbling around him as invading armies come in to the nation of Israel. And he says this, he says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry violence and you will not save. Why do you make me to see iniquity? Why do you look idly at wrong? So he's really struggling. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, and so justice is perverted. Romans eight nineteen. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation would be set free from its bondage to corruption, And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And then lastly, uh, Revelation chapter six, uh, a vision that John has of the future. John says this, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain, so martyrs for the word of God, for the witness that they had borne. Verse 10, they cried out with the loud voice "O sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And so all throughout history and in our own lives, we see that every human longs for a good and pain-free world to live in. And when we catch a glimpse of this world, this goodness, man, we latch onto it and we don't wanna let it go. The word of God also affirms this longing that we have, but it also tells us why it is that we feel this way. Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. Basically talking about God's presence. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are you who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Again, Revelation 21, verse one, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they, will wipe, and they will be his people. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and he will be their God. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And so John gives us this glimpse into what one day will be for his children. Those who place their faith in him. And so number three, we see in humanity a deep longing for a world that is free of pain and suffering because we were made for an eternal, perfect world with our creator. And so the question that we've been looking at today, are we just temporary material beings or are we made for a higher purpose? And what we saw Uh, was that I think is a good argument for both from human nature as well as the Bible, uh, evidence for the fact that we do have meaning and that we aren't just temporary material beings. You know, I think the Bible uh, also makes, what the Bible also makes evident is that our identity and that our highest purpose in life is to glorify God. You know, as we hear that phrase, bringing glory to God, kind of as our highest purpose, uh, we might be tempted to be, uh, we might say, man, what does that mean? We might be tempted to think of that just being religious exercises or even rituals, uh, maybe just to appease God so he's not angry with us. But I think that the picture that the Bible paints in what it uh, looks like to bring God glory uh, is actually very different. So look back to Psalm 104 where we just read, right? The psalmist, he looks at everything that God creates and then he says this a few things, a few highlights. Verse 24, he says, How numerous are your works? In wisdom, you made everything. Verse 28, when you opened your hands, they are filled with good things. Verse 29, when you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. So God's spirit brings creation and renewal. Verse 33, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. Verse 34, why? Because I rejoice. In the Lord. And so, man, church, this isn't just cold, dead religious ritualism out of fear. The psalmist is delighting and takes great joy in his creator whom he loves. So, the way that we glorify God, which is again, this is our highest purpose is by embracing our identity as image bearers, as creators, as cultivators, and then living the way that we are designed to live, right? Working, resting, enjoying one another, enjoying our savior, and doing this uh, forever. So, so just to kind of put it on a kind of a funny example, so think about it like this. Uh, my new favorite uh, cheeseburger is from a place in Herndon called Chard. great restaurant absolutely amazing wood fire grill it's great you should go check them out right next to world gate there uh so so let me ask the question how is it that this cheeseburger that i love is most glorified through me so so hang with me right option a here's what i can do i can go in there by myself and eat the burger strictly for the sake of the calories and that's it i'm just you know trying to put energy in my body and i go home and i never speak of it right that's option one option two or I can go there with a ton of people because I've told them just how awesome it is, this burger, and then we have a great time just enjoying the flavors, hanging out, the toppings, just being together, right? Option B is clearly bringing the burger more glory, honor, and praise as we delight in how juicy and awesome that it is. And so this church, this Grace Hill is what glorifying God looks like, right? It's not just going to church to check a box. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Man, it is delighting in the creator, delighting in his good blessings to us and then living a lifestyle of celebrating him and being thankful for him. This is what we were made to do, enjoying him and then sharing how awesome that he is with everyone. This is our purpose. This is what we were created for. And Psalm 104, I think, is one of the the clearest pictures of this in scripture. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and we have eternal purpose because we are divinely stamped with his image. And so as we wrap up today, man, I'd love for just us just to think about how we respond rightly uh, to what we've looked at. So uh, so for those of you who maybe you don't call yourself a Christian or you're not a believer or a follower of Jesus, man, I would just encourage you to take this time while you're likely at home um, and just kind of have maybe, maybe a little extra free time, maybe you don't, uh, but just want to encourage you to really explore, to dive into God's word and to see how it does, I believe, so accurately describe the human condition. It describes our world, but also spend time in the Bible just so that you can get acquainted with who God is and learn about him and what he does and how he works and how he, the things that he does. The Lord wants you to experience the life and the joy that he offers. God desires each one of us to be reconciled back to him, to be in relationship with him, to enjoy him. And so because of what Jesus has done on the cross, right, taking the payment for our own sin upon his shoulders, we can now be restored to God through faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you have questions about that, man, we would love to talk to you. Please email us. Please Uh, go to our website. Uh, We would love to connect with you. And then for those of you who are believers and, you've, and you, are, you would call yourself Christians following Jesus, man, it is so easy for us who have uh, been walking with the Lord for any length of time to get into a rut and to neglect what it truly means to be glorifying God, right? To live the Christian life with purpose. We get up, we go to church, we check the box. And because that is just always such a clear temptation for each of us, we all experience this, Man, my encouragement to you in the midst of this pandemic is to, is to seize whatever opportunity you have to glorify God in your life right now. So, whether that's just being at home, uh, enjoying your family, and being grateful to the Lord, um, that's great. Thanking Him for that, whether it's enjoying or thanking Him for just how He's blessed you in various ways, in different ways, um, that's certainly a good thing. Or maybe it is reaching out to your neighbors during this time in strategic ways and, and seeing how you can make yourself a little uncomfortable so that you can serve them in some way. So to all of you watching, please take advantage of this time, reflect often on how God's been good to you and then strive to share his goodness with others, with those in your sphere of influence. As we wrap up, uh, I saw a cool video on Facebook last week um, of some Brazilian folks in their apartment complexes singing together. And so there's been a few versions of this, some from Italy, some from Brazil. Uh, But the one I saw with the Brazilian folks in the apartment complex, they're all singing to each other in the midst of the quarantine and they begin singing this old hymn. And so I just wanted to share the lyrics from this hymn because I think it paints a picture of the hope that we can have as Christians despite our current situation. And so the lyrics say this, listen to this, close your eyes and listen to these lyrics. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let me pray for us. So Father, we thank you for this time. Man, that we can see through just looking at our natures. Lord, we can see through um, what your word says. God, that we are created with meaning and purpose, that we are created for eternity. Father, that we who have placed, those of us who have placed our faith in you, Lord, the Spirit communicates and speaks to us and reveals things to us. That may sound kind of crazy. That may sound like it doesn't make much sense, but it's just a work. It is something that you do. And so, Father, I pray that we would just be faithful this week, these coming weeks as we're home, just to step out and to trust you, Lord, to see everybody in our lives, Lord, our neighbors, the, the person checking us out at the grocery store as divine image bearers who reflect you in some way, have in, having infinite worth and being created for meaning and for purpose, and because they are created that way, Father, may we, in love and enjoy pursue them. May we pray for them. May we not abandon our purpose, knowing that as we do these things, as we step out in faith, and as we Enjoy and are thankful for who you are and for what you've given to us that you, that we bring you glory through that, Father. So help us to do that, Lord. We love you. We give this time to you. And I pray that these truths that we've been kind of uh, chewing on now would even inform our worship as we sing. Father, you are worthy. There's nobody like you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.